All right, welcome to Command A, Episode 5. Another week in the books, and here we are. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing great, Jason. How are you doing today? Hell, not bad, man. I'm on my third third uh, coffee today, so feeling jazzed, baby. Feeling jazzed, even though that still have a lot of uh, pent-up energy. But the weather's gotten better here, so we've been getting outside a little more. How about you? Yeah, we've had amazing weather this week. Um, a little bit overcast today, but I think that's going to burn off and hopefully get outside. Try to that sun recharges the batteries, doesn't it? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think, so living in the Northwest, in the Pacific Northwest, um, you always hear about the rain. Everybody talks about the rain, but it's really not that bad. But I think one thing it does do is when the sun comes out, I, th- I just think you appreciate it more. And um, That's a good point. And we really... Contrast. Oh, yeah, huge. Yeah, I've said that before about a lot of things. It's like, you know... The reason I like to go, the reason I don't like this home working from home thing is not because I don't, you know, and anything fundamentally is a problem. It's that I really enjoy having that contrast of getting off work and going home, right? Home feels better (laughs) when I'm not just walking out of this room. (laughs) Anything's like that. Backpacking, right? You go out and you backpack and the contrast of being out there, you don't have a hot running water all the time and you don't have refrigerated food and a McDonald's nearby. It makes you appreciate, you know, how easy it is when you get home to turn on a faucet and get your water without having to figure out (laughs) where your water source is and pumping it out and all the other crap. So I like contrast, big fan. Yeah, definitely. I think that I would definitely, I still, and, and maybe it's just because of my role at my my job and, and, and where I'm at with it, but I I don't want the contrast. I don't want to go to work, but <laughs> I am very, uh, I will say that more than any time in the last year, I'm very thankful of where I do work and the, the fact that I'm able to um, still have a paycheck every day. And so very fortunate right. and thankful. So. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely uh, appreciate it. That's again, that's enough to me. That's another form of contrast, right? When you can actually sit back and say, yeah, whatever, whatever I'm doing, no matter how crappy it may seem personally, you know, there's people in a hell of a lot worse shape than I am. That's why I keep looking at it too. And, you know, yeah, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. You know, I, I tell my daughter the same thing. I'm like, yeah, this, this sucks for you. You don't get to hang out with your friends in school and all those kinds of things, but you know, You've got it pretty damn good any way you look at it. You still have plenty of food to eat. You have anything you want to drink. You've got all kinds of entertainment digitally. You can go outside. You're healthy. You know, all those things that naturally as humans, we just take for granted over time, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of, did, did so did you guys, I think we talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago. Did you, I know several people received the stimulus this week. Did you get your stimulus? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I already... Bought uh, six gallons of hard liquor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, we did. We got a little, we got a reduced amount. We're so rich, it turns out, even though I don't feel that way day to day. But yeah, we got our hands on it. It showed, now it's funny. It's, uh, it, uh, it showed up in another bank account. So I get, a, I get an alert from Capital One, and that was a bank, my checking account from several years. So it's 20, I didn't do my taxes yet this year for 2019 as info. Um, so they sent it to an account that I hadn't used in a while, and uh, I had an alert show up that I had this deposit. I'm like, what the F is this? You know, I thought maybe it was a mistake, and then it all dawned on me when I went in there. It was from the IRS or whatever. Right on. Yeah, I don't – well, 
I haven't checked. We didn't get it when everybody else got it here a few oh, really? days ago or Monday or Tuesday, whatever day that was. And we weren't even sure if we'd qualify, but we'll see. I might have to check yeah. again. I don't really, I don't look real often. In fact, yeah. my wife does most of the finances, so. Sure. Well, we won't get into incomes, but uh, I can I can tell you that based on, on yours, and again, your wife's been very successful, so you may not actually, but between my teacher wife and me, we, we did uh, for a reduced amount, so. Okay. But yeah, it, whatever is is what it is. Uh, I'm glad they're doing it, but it's it's not enough. But I, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just absolutely irritated over the whole thing right now. So don't want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't want to dive on the just, show. I, with yeah, my I'm just curious, bad attitude so. about the whole thing. Yeah, I'm. There's a lot going on right now that that's pretty negative. Um, outside of what we're we're going through, I'd say. So, anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me, you, we were talking about uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. Now, I don't know if podcasters normally talk about other ones that they don't know on the show, but here we are. And you you had a, you heard a good one this week, and now you've actually got me keen to listen to it, uh, which I'm going to do later today. So well, tell me a little bit about uh, about what you heard. Yeah, so he had a, a gentleman on there, uh, Tom O'Neill, who is a – he's actually only written one book, as far as I know, and it's uh, – called Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the 60s. And basically what it's based on is, so it has to do with Charles Manson and the, the Manson family, but also the history of him, the, the time that he was, he was released from prison, I believe in like 19, don't quote me, 1967-ish, and he spent sure. two years... And he was arrested kind of several times, but nothing would stick. And how yep. there's all these peoples and and handlers and stuff, and and they're also involved in possibly in MK Ultra, which is a if you don't know, is a CIA program um, where they used LSD to manipulate people and, oh, and yeah. test pe- to test people, I guess, run experiments on people with LSD. Um, then this without book, some of them without their knowing. Yeah, right, right. And um they talked about how like um um what's that guy's name? The Whitey Bulger, which is the mafia guy, like Whitey Bulger, Boston, yeah. Yep. That he was actually experimented on when he was in prison. And that might have changed his him to be more violent criminal. And oh, interesting. I think, I think Charles Manson was not that he was ever a good person. He was if you read his history, he was in and out of prison and Kind yes. of petty theft type of dude, but then eventually he just goes off the rails mentally, right? Like he goes right. way crazy. But part of the theory of this book that I gathered was that it's because of these LSD experiments, and maybe he was part of um, even voluntary doing it. I'm not sure, but I think that's how he controlled his family, also. So I think he oh, learned how to. Okay, it's interesting. It's it goes off the rails. It talks about how there's this. I don't know all the names, but there's this one psychologist, uh-huh. and he actually like right before Jack Ruby testifies to the Warren Commission, this guy becomes Jack Ruby's therapist, and then when he goes to testify <laughs> at the Warren Commission, he's like crazy. He's like he's mentally really? unstable at this point in in the time, right? 
So it goes wow. through all these. So I think the book is probably amazing. I don't think the, even the podcast could touch on everything. Um, right. But it's super. Now, I've got it up on Amazon here. It's on Kindle for 16 bucks. One credit for the audio book. I might do that. I might yeah. want to listen to this. I, and sort of the history of it is this, this um, Tom O'Neill was a, was a, a writer. He wrote for magazines. Okay. And some he had he wasn't he wasn't into conspiracy theories or Charles Manson. It was just kind of a a deal where they said, "Hey, you want to write about these these murders?" And he's like, "I don't know if I really want to mess with that. I'm not really interested." And he went ahead and took the job. And then he spent 20 years. And as he kept going down these these rabbit holes, he'd run into dead ends and back back out, or sometimes okay. And it, and it led him through this whole deal where he uncovered all kinds of interesting stuff but i think it's right up your alley it was a very interesting podcast oh yeah man i've studied manson before i've i mean i've i've really been into it i read helter skelter and uh i'm yeah this that kind of stuff i don't know why man but cults always have fascinated me they just i don't know why i oh you're gonna love this the the (laughs) prosecuting attorney who also wrote helter skelter he was not an okay person you'll learn Oh, and uh, okay. There's a whole bunch of like Helter Skelter. I guess there's a whole bunch of not true events and things in that book. Apparently, okay. Well, I'm so, looking forward to it. You actually have me peaked. I'm going to look forward to the podcast today. You said it earlier, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Doesn't sound yeah. like Joe Rogan to me. I'm, I'm all in, man. I like it. Yeah, I think he got he heard about it. Whatever he started reading the book. Um, okay. So anyways, I'm going to really link good. this thing in the show notes too, just uh, this guy's book, just so people can easily find it if they like. Yeah, and I don't think, you sound like you didn't make a whole lot of money on this deal, so hopefully the word gets out and gets some support. You spent 20 years doing this. I think it's worth getting out there. Oh, wow. And, yep. It says number one bestseller in political intelligence, so I don't know how narrow a category that is, but... Um, heck, heck, man, heck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, heck. that's right. It, as soon as oh, I started and then listening in, to it, I almost paused and called you and said, hey, you need to start <laughs> this right now. Yeah, Tom O'Neill. So, yeah, it's number one also in intelligence and espionage, which, man, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm yeah. pumped. We should probably just end now. I'm going to go do this. <laughs> no, I look forward to uh, All right. Your take on this. I might even get the book and read it. However, you're probably faster than I am at getting I'm going to listen to it. I, I see that I've got two Audible credits, so I already can tell you I'm going to listen to this one. You know, it's funny because everybody's talking about how they have all this time to read more and all that. And I think that's probably true if you're a commuter. But my day-to-day life didn't change at all as far as my time allocation. Does that make sense? Working from home? Oh, absolutely. I have a seven-minute drive to the office, so... That part of it didn't change for me. Well, and you're also not a time waster. You don't just sit around and do nothing. That No, yeah, and my, my off time, I mean, I do sometimes, but it might be watching television. In fact, devs. Did we talk about devs on this show or just on my other show? You've mentioned it before? Dude. <laughs> so give me, a, give me a brief. I haven't watched it. Give me a brief. Okay. What, what's it about? All right, 30,000 feet because I don't want to spoil anything. Right, right. There, it, it takes place in San Francisco in Silicon Valley, and there is a – they call it devs. Now, there's more to it than that. 
and that come out, came out last night's episode as, as it culminated. And I suspect that was the end of the season, if not the end of the show. It's hard to say at this point. But you've heard my you've heard my other podcast AQF when it was when it was around. It's defunct now. So, uh, but when it was around, I did an episode or two on simulation theory. Do you remember those? Yes. The idea that we could be living in a simulation. Now it seems. You know, at first, that at first listen, if you're not, you know, really into science fiction or science in general, you just might kind of chuckle it off because you know better, right? As humans, we just know better. We know we're not a simulation. We're real flesh and blood. However, as we see and notice, things are improving every day. Things that if we really want to look at and analyze, they've changed a lot over the years. And, and the the computer has improved and we can do simulations. Just look at video games. We call it, you know, the graphics, right? When we were kids, they were blocky. And now they look like movies, right? I mean, they're really good. And those are just with today's technology, today's computers. And if we start looking at the quantum, a quantum computer, when you can know both states at the same time, um, and Schrodinger's cat is the example there, right? So, for example, if, if is the cat alive or is it dead uh, if it's inside of a box? Well... You know that's that's the quantum thing is it's up to the observer so when you open the box the cat's dead when you close the box the cat could be alive that's very simplistic but in in it's not really a simplistic theory at all but essentially the theory comes that there is a you know at some point in our future we you we have become a simulation either two different ways it can happen one that's just the natural evolution of our human biological lives. And you've seen this. Was it the Matrix? I can't remember. I think it was the Matrix. That yeah, was the kind Matrix, of the. We were batteries, basically, with a simulated yeah. world. Correct. Yeah. They, And so that's one way to look at it. Another way is that we don't actually have a, a corporeal form. We are actually just inside of a simulation. Now, the real question is, if you ask yourself, how could you prove you weren't, Kevin? If you're really honest with yourself, you can't. Because you would feel the same way. You would feel exactly the same in a simulation as you would, you know, if you weren't. You, you just, there's no way to really know. So it's always possible. There's always the question of, well, why and, and how and does it change? And there's the multiverse theory. And there's all kinds of things that play into this. But we're just focused on simulation theory. And that's what this show gets into in a very dramatic and real way. And it really brings you in very slowly the main character name's Lily. She is a fascinating character. They did an absolutely perfect job uh, casting her. And <laughs> I mean, every character in there. You know the guy you like from Parks and Rec with the big beard? Oh, yeah, sure. He's a lead. He's the Silicon Valley uh, rocket doctor, if you will. He owns the company called, uh, not Av I keep wanting to say Avaya because that's what Quest became. Amaya is what it's called. But I mean, that's that's... Just to get you started, that's kind of kind of what happens, and there's some uh, Russian spy action that goes on in there, and that's how well that's what draws Lily into this thing. But she ends up being the a very important part of the story, and I just saw the ending last night, so it's fresh in my mind. And buddy, it uh, it blows you away. If you want me to give you spoilers later after the show, I can. I don't want to do do it here no, because it's I'll, still kind of maybe ongoing, I'll give it a watch. It's like eight episodes. On. Hulu. Hulu. Is it on Hulu? Yep. Okay. It's a Hulu original. Yep. All right. 
Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm kind of. I try not. I'm trying to get away from. I watch a little too much TV and YouTube. I think I spend too much time doing that. So I'm kind of trying to get away from it. But at the same time, <laughs> I find myself with nothing to watch. I just watch it for distraction. So maybe, right? Maybe a more pointed. You know, that's God. See, this is why you and I think a lot alike sometimes because I I've been the same way. I don't want to have my TV on to distract me, right? Just to have noise in the background. So what I've been doing, I've actually quit bringing my computer or phone into our living room. That's, you know, where the TV is or whatever. So if I'm watching a show, I'm pointedly watching the show. And frankly, I find it much more interesting to actually watch the show instead of, oh, let me look at my phone here while this is going on. You know what I mean? You can't, I can't hardly help myself sometimes, but anyway. No, because stuff comes so stuff that'll come up in the show, especially like reruns or yep. And then I'll think of something, then I'll Google it, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> learn about it. Yep. So no, yep. I find it very hard. I do. I've done that. I find it very hard to. I keep reaching for my. It's like, oh, I wonder what other movies this person's oh. been in, or I wonder. Yeah. Whatever Me too. It is. Me too. In fact, because uh, I've only started doing this a few days ago, so. I'm new at it, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to limit the amount of television I watch too. Not because I have a problem with it really. It's just because the weather's getting nicer now. So, uh, in the wintertime, I know I don't really worry about it because it's like, well, it's going to be, it's cold. What else do you do? Right. It's like, well, I don't care if I'm watching TV. Uh, I should be doing other, you know, hobbies maybe, but I, whatever, I don't care. Uh, but this time of year, I'm try. I try to back off and you know make sure I get outside and enjoy the sunshine and those kinds of things. But uh, uh, regardless, you know, I find it much more pleasurable right now to not have my devices to you know take me out of the story and the narrative. And there's some good stuff out there. There's another one I've started too. It's called because Epics is free now. It showed up on my Apple TV. is free, and they have one called War of the Worlds. It's a European show, but it's actually in English. Uh, some subtitles, but mostly English. That's crazy too. So we're into that one right now as well. Hmm. So I got two things, two things going. <laughs> and I'm not normally a binger. I usually hate more than one episode. You know what I mean? I maybe see uh, the Gen X in me, but I, I just I like weekly programs. You know that I can catch up. Oh, I'm gonna catch my episode of this this week. That's what Dez has been because it has it didn't come out all together. You can watch it now all together, but I started watching at the beginning and it was great because every Thursday night it would come on, and then I'd watch it Friday, right? Because Thursday night I I didn't get around to it. So usually Friday night, Saturday night, whatever. That's when I'd catch it, <clears throat> and and I I enjoy that. I'm because I'm not a binger, but this other thing's a binger, and I've watched two and three episodes at a time of it, and that's when you start. <laughs> You start really feeling lazy at some point, don't you? Yeah, no, I'm a, so I'd say I'm like a mix. Like, so not a, a binger where I'm going to watch the whole, the whole thing in, in one go or a weekend, but I definitely like to watch two or three at a time. So I definitely, like, I don't like a show where I'd have, I can only watch one. I'm like, I got to wait a week. Like, sure. I don't want to wait a week. Yeah, I, I get it. I, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of complaints when shows do that. Right, so CBS All Access with Star Trek stuff—that's how they did it, and it pissed off a lot of people because Netflix has got us kind of used to it, right? You dump the whole thing at once, and you get through it on the weekend or two weeks or however you want to do it. Right, right. And there's some good shows to binge watch. You know, reruns. Where I'm rewatching 
the office right now, and there was actually stuff I missed. And uh, yeah, that's a fun maybe show. it's just funnier this time. Like it's a uh, <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's it's amazing. Like when you get that sort of a cast together. Yep. Um, that's like Seinfeld planned. or Friends yeah. or any of those things. It's sure, like, sure. It's magic when it happens. Yeah, Parks and Rec. It's just the right mix yep. of people. Writers care. I mean, it's yeah. It all just comes together like this, you know, soup that makes makes sense for the time. And my daughter just watched it for the first time because I was it on Netflix or something. And she, man, she became she started binging it, and I'm like, knock it off. Right. <laughs> but she loved it. You know what I mean? She's a big Office fan. All her, her and all of her girlfriends, they just absolutely love it. That's they amazing. Can't stop too, talking about it. It's funny how kids. Like it, because to me, I like because I work in a workplace, and it's right. I know what it's like to be in office, <laughs> like right. Yeah, some of it makes sense. Did you get a new boom arm? No, it's the same old. Oh, I thought you had a black one before. No, no. All right. Well, hey, that's uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, move on to the next topic. So yeah, reminder that was called chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA and the secret history of the sixties. And Joe Rogan has a podcast with, uh, the author, Mr. Tom O'Neill that is uh, currently available. So next thing I want to talk about was, and this is, I, I brought, I bring this up and it's called, it's full-time RVing or living on the road, families on the road. I bring this up. There was an, actually a wall street journal article this morning that uh, made me think about it. And I've actually kind of been thinking about it because for a couple other reasons. One, my brother-in-law is living in an RV down in Amarillo, Texas right now. His family still is at home, but he works for the railroad and he's, you know, down there working, uh, make some, making good money, I guess, working uh, these runs. So he, he took an old RV he's got and he's living down in a campground. But my first question to him was, how is this coronavirus thing, you know, affecting you or the campground? He said, you know, it's not been a problem for him and, you know, they've got a rate and everything else, but it has been for other people. And that's what the article was today. And I'm reminded of, I got into this. So I, I got into thinking about living in an RV full time, even with my family back in uh, about 2008, it was, you know, right after we had that construction company that kind of fell through and, you know, the housing crisis had started and I had bought this house <laughs> at the absolute peak of the market. <laughs> Because that's how I do, buy high, sell low. That's me. Anyway, I, I started, so I'm starting to look for alternatives and thinking of different things I can do. And I was pretty much fed up with watching banks getting bailed out. You know, I'm still sore about that, to be frank. Uh, car companies being bailed out. But all these people that I'm reading about that got into these mortgages that one could argue, I didn't have one of these, you know, mine was just me being stupid, but the predatory mortgages that were out there and people getting these interest-only loans and things like this, stated income loans, if you remember any of this stuff. And, and and it put people into a bad position. And we like to blame the victim in this case. In my, case in, in my belief is the people that received those loans were the victims. They're, I mean, it's natural to want to have a home. These are people that maybe had been living in an apartment. Maybe they were in Section 8 housing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They just wanted to have a home for their family. And these lenders preyed on that desire. To me, that was BS. And we didn't bail them out, right, in any real way. We had a couple of minor programs, but they were worth the crap. They didn't really help anyone. In fact, if you look at those programs, the people they helped, 
within two years they were defined they were um they couldn't make their mortgage payments again so, so it wasn't tangible relief is what what had happened because we were protecting the banks again even after we bailed the banks out that that bailout didn't trickle down to you know joe six-pack anyway so that's when i started really looking into this and i uh I started seeing that people were converting school buses and, you know, they were starting to make some, some vlogs of, you know, questionable quality. It certainly wasn't what it is today, but it was still interesting to watch these people that were out there, you know, putting themselves out there talking about these things. Cause there was still a little bit of a, what I would call a, uh, a taint to talking about, you know, having trouble financially. And this was, you know, this was really before Dave Ramsey, I think was even national and, you know, the humility wasn't out there and people had some, I'm going to call it pride, but that's not the right word, but they wouldn't really want to talk about these things or, you know, you'd kind of, you'd be embarrassed by it. Right. And, and I'm starting to see at that time that, you know, after all this had happened, I'm like, you know, people shouldn't be embarrassed by that because this is a system created by the rich, uh, the bankers, et cetera, et cetera, to protect themselves. And all that they're doing on the backs of these working people, they're just trying to make it go. Anyway, so fast forward a little bit, a couple years later, that hashtag van life came out, right? You remember that? It's still around, but uh, uh, a couple, uh, I think they were New Yorkers, but they, they started that hashtag and it took off because there's already a lot of people doing it and a lot of people doing it well and some just brilliant photography and videography, you know, young, successful people. And they made this thing really attractive and a lot of people got into it. And I was close, man. In about 2010, Kevin. I don't know if I don't know if you know. We knew each other, but I don't think we we didn't hang out much. But uh, I was close, man. Uh, I was close to getting a class A and and hanging it up. Uh, didn't know what I was going to do. I figured I would do day labor or <laughs> or whatever, right? So, and I was kind of getting into photography at the time. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, you know, we talked about photography before, but if you're going to be a good photographer for landscape, you have to be in an area. For more than an hour or two right you got to spend time there so my thought was you know that was the second thing i wanted to wanted to pursue you know i'd work in convenience stores i'd work you know day labor whatever it took because i my, my expenses would be minimum uh now of course i had two kids which i was going to have to contend with we were going to school on the road and all that and there was a website dedicated to it and it used to be fotr com now it's familiesontheroad.com and i'll have that linked in there and they showcase people once in a while so i love to go read their blogs and stories and etc cetera, etc cetera. it's kind of romantic to me to be able to go do that and not you know you just kind of you walk away from the norms and you you did your own thing at that point you were you know piss on everybody else right and that, that was my thought on it so <laughs> and then i saw peter lick you know you know peter lick right the photographer he's yes. got I mean, he was, if you look at his photography, that doesn't happen by accident, right? He, he's got one of those earth roamers though. They were uh, built down in Broomfield. I don't know if you knew those. They're in Thornton now. Are you familiar with that outfit? They take uh, like one ton pickup trucks and then convert them and they build these nice fiberglass things and they're just designed to oh, know, yeah, battle. Oh yeah. God, they're amazing. 150 K neighborhood, but <laughs> you know, they're absolutely amazing. And I'm like, and that wouldn't have worked for me, but that's what he was doing. And I'm like, you know, that's when I started realizing that at the time, I, I didn't understand this, but you don't just drive up to a place, get out of your car, wait an hour, take a great landscape picture. You have to get to know the area, get to know the light. You can do a lot of it on Google, a lot of planning, but the atmospheric conditions, 
you can't plan for that in any real way. You have to wait for the right opportunity. Everything has to line up just right. And then you make that image. And that's a lot of people don't understand how much work goes into some of those uh, really good images. And that, that the work is the background waiting, <laughs> which, you know, if I've learned anything from this, uh, this thing, uh, uh, quarantine is I can, uh, I can wait. I have some, po- I can, I can take it easy. Uh, so at, anyway, at the same time, there was this Yahoo group. I'm still a part of them and they've had to change it up a little bit, but you know, there was a lot, there was a lot of people in there. I won't, I won't put the link there. They're kind of a esoteric type group. So I'm still a lurker cause I got in early, but they don't, they're real weird, but they have, you know, a lot of interesting, you know, political views and other things to, uh, about, man life. And it's been, it's, it's kind of fun to read how they do, but I kind of got away from it over the years. Uh, and now today I'm like, huh, <laughs> sounds pretty good in this type of uncertainty. So <laughs> have you ever thought about you? I mean, you had a camp, you know, you didn't have a camp, your dad had a camper. You ever think about anything like this? Yeah. So from a few different aspects. So kind of like you, I first heard about it. I'm like, so I have always um, I guess had a romantic view of a nomadic lifestyle because I want to do and see and travel is a huge passion of mine. So if I could, I still would, if I could find a job remotely, I would have a nomadic type lifestyle. I don't know that it'd be an RV, mm-hmm. but it might be living. I think we've talked about it. I want to live in places for three to six months or two months, depending, and then move on to the next place and really all over the United States and all over the world. So Part of that would be fun, and probably at some point in my life, I will do like an RV type life for like a year or so, though, and then 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 I'll abandon that because I don't want to do it forever. Um, so I've always thought that would be fun, and then I kind of followed some of that. I guess my quest for a simpler life. It was it's yes. romantic too, right? Like you just live wherever, and then you show up to work or you stealth camp or yep, whatever. When I moved to a more populated place, though, my view changed quite a bit because there's a darker side to that of just people squatting and yeah, um, tearing up areas or or making places unsafe. They're yep. like a trailhead or a place by the river. They just overtake it, and and right. to me, I have a different view of it now. To where I'm like. Mm, that's not okay because it's not the it's not the people you see on YouTube. It's not the it's not the couple that decided to not be lawyers and they want to they want to start a photography business or there's there's very few of that. Right. Have you heard like of Slab City? Have you heard of Slab City? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's so that was around right? a long yeah that was around a long time ago and that was one of those places like this lawless BLM land that you know. And so there was, there's two, there's, you're absolutely right. There's two aspects to it and where you're at, I know you're seeing a lot of it, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, there's there, you know, the bigger areas, Austin, Texas, uh, are seeing, seeing big numbers of this. And, and that's the dark, you're right. That's the dark side. That's the, you know, you're going to end up living in a van down by the river from Saturday Night Live back in the eighties. That's the same, same thought it was in, it's homelessness in, in a way. I mean, so it's a very fine line. I don't know how you draw that line, but there's a line in there that is you're homeless and destitute or you're living out there by choice 
and how you choose to do it makes a big difference. Okay. Right, because I thought stealth camping, I was like, oh, that's kind of a neat concept. You know, you just kind of move around, stay at the stop, stay the night somewhere. But however, I don't want you stealth camping in my neighborhood where my kids play because I don't know you and I don't know why you're here. And and there's a difference between stopping somewhere and, and sleeping for the night and moving on and then just staying. That's right. That's right. And so. <laughs> we... we uh, we actually have one of these groups, uh, not groups, it's a family, and they're doing the same thing. They're down at Walmart, and they keep having to move parking lot to parking lot. I think they're actually working maybe at Walmart right now, to tell you the truth. Uh, and maybe that's how they how they get around or whatever. But they've been there all winter, which is fascinating why you'd be up here, but that's another story. And they're just living in the Walmart parking lot. And so my idea was more, you know, what you, what you see on YouTube or Instagram. I had... Uh, but it, <laughs> you, you can get castigated into that same, you know, belief system, right? So if you're, if you're out there and you actually earn a living, maybe you're working remotely, you're writing, you're doing whatever, however you can figure out to earn money. People do all kinds of things, traveling nurses, there's all kinds of ways you can earn a living without actually having a, a physical address, right? So, but how do you avoid being, you know, lumped into the, you're homeless and you're, you're bad people, right. Or whatever, you know, whatever the, whatever you want to call it. Cause I'm like you, I don't want people just squatting in my, on my street either. I'd have a real problem with it. In fact, I guarantee you my neighborhood would have a real problem with it. Uh, and we're, you know, we're as working class as they come around here, but we wouldn't put up with that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's, uh, like I said, my, my views has changed. You pull up to a public park or something, and there's just looks like people live there. Like I don't, I'm not okay with that. So yep, no, but, I'm with him. But I fully intend on it at some point in my life. I fully intend on in at least just my wife and I travel in the United States by some sort of a a microbus or RV or nothing real sure. big, but and being able to like eat and sleep out of there and basically have that as our yeah. shelter. It's the retiree model, isn't it? The, uh, <clears throat> the big RV and you go and you travel around and, you know, you stop here and work and, and this kind of thing, like what Dave's doing. I mean, that makes perfect sense for that. Uh, you know, working for the railroad makes perfect sense in that capacity to live that lifestyle. Cause he, you know, I told you before the show what he was earning and he's making real, <laughs> real good money, uh, you know, doing that. So, you know, it's not like you're, you wouldn't have means to take care of necessities and, you know, be able to pay for a campground space or whatever, but that that's, you know, full circle to the point of the, the topic. Uh, this pandemic thing is causing some challenges for those, those folks. And I'm not talking about our, you know, the indigent, indig, indigent, what are, I can't I got the wrong words here, but anyway, the, uh, the population that doesn't, don't have jobs, but the population that's actually working and, you know, traveling around, but they've chosen to live in an RV. Uh, there's, there's been some issues as some of the campgrounds have closed and, uh, not allowing people in. And I know a lot of the campgrounds after reading this article, they don't want people just showing up like as an escape from New York city or Los Angeles, you know, they don't, they're not letting people like that stay. But if you're kind of a bona fide family on the road, you know, there's, you know, they're, you know, not, uh, in fact, they're even, you know, giving you some discounts at some, some level to give you a place to stay. So it's an interesting community. Anyway, I thought I'd, I thought I'd share that today. And I, I didn't know if you knew that I had 
got real close to it at one point in time and uh, finding it fascinating again because I got a lot of uncertainty, but uh, I, I do not plan on disappearing unless I had to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, and I still think it can be done right, but it's it's like anything else. It, it gets ruined by people. Yep. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, your your point with you and your wife is is very a very good one. I've got three dogs and a fourteen year old daughter. So can you imagine the emotional challenges? Right. Well, <laughs> I, then I'm I a, would have trying to put up with I'm that a low stress. I I don't like stress. So to me, like yeah. those big, is it the class A's or is that the big motorhome motor yep. type vehicle? Okay, the big boys. Yep. So that is completely. That would just. I would be stressed to the max trying to drive that around in popular okay. areas, back it up. Uh, like yep. that does not seem relaxing at all. However, no, like no, van, not for like you. A, um, <laughs> I have a business idea I'm not going to mention on here. I think it's a new. Oh, come on, Kevin, give it to us. Give it to us. I'm not sharing this idea. I got it. <laughs> no. Okay. I think it's a, I think it's like one of those ideas that, it's that I, good? I won't pursue, but it's, I think it's that good that it would, you'd be set for life. Well, hold on. All right, fine. I, <laughs> all right. I'm not going to get this I'm out of here before it's over. To mention it, so. Okay. <laughs> Can't blame me for trying. Anyways, but I don't know. But man, like there are people that do it right, RV life, and 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 that's, yep. that's great. And I'm um, even maybe a little jealous of those those folks that have figured it out or just had the the guts to risk it pretty amazing yeah agreed now yeah I'm, I'm with you on that i think we're we're aligned there for sure and it's uh yeah i i could see myself doing it with just my wife would be a completely different story you know retirees and you know they drag around a little jeep or something like that behind and you know you just you, you're out on the interstate i would have no problem running the thing around and then getting into town no problem but i would never go you know, want to go stay in a really big city anyway, I'd stay in the outskirts or whatever. And I could handle operating the outfit, you know, wouldn't bother me. I pulled a camper for a while, you know, for fun or whatever. And it was no big deal. Hell, I went through some dirt roads that were so narrow that <laughs> today I think about them like that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. Right. But, uh, so I could, I could in, but I remember the stress to your point, just on do, doing things like that. You know, I mean, this, anxiety in my shoulders and stuff you know it's like Ugh. so yeah and that, then like uh, towing a car you'd need a second vehicle it just yep. it's not appealing to me it just seems like so much stress and work yeah if you have I, I agree and i think that's having to having to work and do it would be tough um having having to having to worry about income i guess inconsistent income let me clear that up Having to worry about inconsistent income would just absolutely overwhelm the stress factor for me. I agree with that too. Uh, if I was retired and had a steady, you know, income from you know a pension or whatever it is, okay, I could I could see I could definitely. In fact, and then if I kept my house as a as a home base, you know, so I could come up for the summer and stay in my house or whatever I wanted to do, that would be be good too, right? For me, um, I could see myself doing that. Kevin, when was the last time you played disc golf? Mm, geez, I probably with you. Um, 2013, 14-ish, probably. Something like that, yeah. I think we spent, yeah, we spent a, a summer and a year and a half or so. Kind of. Probably. I got We got pretty good at it. I mean, um, 
reasonably speaking, I, I went, we didn't do any, at least I didn't do any tournaments or anything, but you know, certainly took it seriously and threw a lot of discs, didn't we? And yeah, uh, we did. I mean, I would never was like a, you watch people that can really throw one like for distance. Right. I was never that person, but, but consistently I could kind of start, eventually start being able to decide or knew how the shot was going to go or. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I practiced putts and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, we got the two good courses in town. Do you remember that one in, uh, in Rapid City you and I drove to? Oh, that one in the Black Hills is awesome. Cause that was like a good one too. Slash disc yep. golf. At Spearfish. Yep. Yeah. That was a good time. Um, but yeah, well, anyway, we went and played yesterday <laughs> just you? to get out for a little while. Yeah. And Adelaide had, was really interested in doing it. She was excited about it. And it turns out I have not taught my wife and daughter how to throw a Frisbee. So I just got to get that out there. But there's there's a lot of practice to be had. <laughs> well, that's neat because Angie didn't, she didn't participate. She would walk with us and play a little yep. bit. And, and then Adelaide was younger and wasn't interested. Correct. Yep. We're actually probably going to go out this afternoon again. It looks like the weather's good. We're going to, but we went to, this is what I wanted to tell you. I'm so good, Kevin. I, uh, you know, that first hole at the, uh, Gillette fishing lake. Oh yeah. Aren't I, we, uh, no, I, mean, I don't know the fishing I, lake course that well. I don't, I think we only played it once or twice. It's by the bridge is where the first hole is over by the kids playground. And you start right there. Anyway, um, uh, I, 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 uh, I threw my drive, which was perfect. And then uh, I was just trying to lay up, you know, with my, you know, mid-range thingy. Mm -hmm. And I made it. <laughs> That's right. I made it. And the girls didn't even clap or make a big deal out of it. I just, I was, <laughs> I was like, you guys don't realize what a hard shot that was. And I made right. it. Uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I felt pretty good. So I had some muscle memory left from disc golf. And I guess if, if people don't know, I guess I should probably go over what it is, right? Because I don't think it's necessarily something, I mean, I think of about it as a pot smoking hippie <laughs> adventure, and I think there's some of that involved. But uh, it's just it's just a relaxing way to get out and walk around. If you got one of these courses in your park, they've got these big baskets with chains, and you know, you buy Frisbees that don't quite look like, you know, you're playing catch Frisbee. They're thin, flat things. You can get them at Walmart. Or whatever, and they're not that expensive. But uh, you just go out and you can keep score, or just you know, do whatever you want to do. And it's kind of a hand-eye coordination. Get you out, get you a little bit of exercise. You don't get a workout from it, but I mean, you could. I mean, hell, what's a eighteen-hole course, Kevin? You think that's probably ten thousand steps? I bet, huh? Oh yeah, you could walk faster. You could jog. I mean, yeah, I think that, yeah, make whatever yeah, you want out of it. I guess. Yeah. All you need is. Is I'd say three. You just need three discs, and you can get away with one. But I think three is the right setup. So the kits, yeah, the kits come with three, and I agree with you because I had a bunch of other ones, but I was never any better because of it, right? I like to have a lot of putters. That way, when I went and practiced, that was the the one I liked because that to me that's the hardest part. That's where you get the most the most shots missed, right? Is when you're trying to make your putts. So I would go out and practice putting, and I had, I don't know, five or six of those things. But you're right. I mean, carrying with you, yeah, three in your hand, to me, that's all you need. However, <laughs> like any other hobby, you can completely go wild with it, and <laughs> and they've got big bags and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I definitely went down that, that path. But, like, if I were to pick it up again, it would just be three. But if you can't even afford that for whatever reason— 
just want, to get started to try it, I would just start with one to get you a mid range. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's like eight, nine bucks for a single disc. It's like 20, I'm looking here about $23 for a three, three disc kit. So relatively speaking, it's really inexpensive compared to a lot of park type things you would do or whatever. Yeah, that's neat. I'm glad you guys got back out there. We haven't done that here. There's a course at a park in town. So maybe, maybe one of these days we'll get back out. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, I can't find my baseball glove, by the way. I don't know what's happened to that. I was going to go play catch with Adelaide, but uh, couldn't figure out what happened to my glove. Kind of freaking I don't think out. We have about any of that bit. stuff anymore around here? <laughs> kids are definitely right, my kids are definitely not interested in sports. So yeah, but I think um, so now everybody has a bicycle. Oh, I just finally got her. So what'd I you get her? She got a. She wanted more of your upright cruiser type bike so she got a a trek verve 2 so it's a it's a decent trek bike that sets more up with a as Paige refers to it as a big butt seat and uh, <laughs> and, and it has disc brakes and so okay i'm just looking at here trying to find it trekbikes.com verve 2 i used to be really into bicycling oh yeah that's a great little bike Kind of a hybrid-looking thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. So hers is a hybrid, and then I have a hybrid, like, fitness bike. You got a fitness bike, the, yeah. The kids have a – Sydney has a nice mountain bike, and then Jax has a, a kid's mountain bike, a track kid's mountain bike. So um, it's really neat, the place that we bought it from here, small, locally-owned business. And um, for the kids, um, if you trade in the bike within three years, they'll give you – 50% of the brand new price. I think that's through oh. track also, but so both of their bikes, they have had it for two. So next year we can trade them in and upgrade cool. and get 50% back of what we paid. Oh, cool. No, that's a, that's a great deal, man. That's a great deal. Yeah. So maybe a little riding today. Oh, good. Well, with that, we better get on our way then so we can get to doing some disc golfing and uh, bicycle riding and Lord knows what else while the sun's still shining. But it's been a good uh, bit good talking to you today. Yeah, I've, been, I've enjoyed it. I can't wait to, to have you recap uh, chaos for us. <laughs> well, I'll start. Hey, it should be a couple weeks. I think I can get that thing down. We'll see how big it is. I, I didn't look at the page count or the time thing. So, But yeah, I'm going to... I'll do that for sure. So yeah, if you give it a couple of weeks, maybe I'll I'll try. I'm okay. not good at I'm not good at listening to books. So here's huh. my problem: I have the attention span of a two year old. Like yeah. I have to restart. I rewind like podcasts all the time, TV. I really don't. I need to work on paying attention. <laughs> well, no, I <clears throat> I'm with you. In fact, it's funny because I can tell when Angela's got a good book she's listening to. Because all of a sudden she's doing all the housework like a mad woman, you know, over over again. And, and I'm the same way. It's like, you know, I'll put it on if I'm going to vacuum or go sweep the garage or mow the lawn or whatever. That To me, that's the best. Shoveling snow, that's my podcast time or book time even because I'm with you, man. I If I'm trying to like read or do, you know, play on my computer, there's no way 
I'm going to pay attention to what the hell's going on. You know, I just, it has to be that thing with some other pointless endeavor okay. to make it yeah, work. Yeah, and for I me. have to recognize the fact if something's bothering me or something else is on my mind, it's not oh, the time yes. to listen to a podcast or, or a book because I'll, you know, 30 minutes will go by and I, I have not heard one thing that the person has said. Yep. I think that's, you know, it goes back to that multitasking thing. So anyway, I don't, you're not, you're not alone with that, that problem. We all have it. Uh, the same literal thing. I mean, our brain just don't work that way. So, but all right. So let's, uh, we'll catch up again next week. And folks, thank you for listening. Thank you for finding us. And, you know, please subscribe uh, to the show. And we look forward to, look forward to getting those good five-star reviews. Send us an email at cmdapodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear what you think and uh, any episode ideas you have. And with that, thank you all the best. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening.